Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right. Yeah. Our roster looks great on paper. Whoop the hell. Whoop the hell. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a good team. And you start building that during this time of the year. Get your sorry ass up! Get your sorry ass up! Doing a lot of talking with somebody that ain't do shit today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you think you're better than Jarrell Revis is right now? I'm better than you. My 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. Dang, dang! Time is on the word! I ain't never seen you before, huh? Back up, Tanner Coach, you need some help. We're gonna expose you, boy. All right, we coming at your ass. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Let's go! Let's go! What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me, your host, Matthew Burning at Sports Fanatic MB on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts associated with this network, though, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Corey Parsons and Dr. Roto from Sirius XM Radio, Mr. Bob Lung, the award-winning fantasy football consistency guide and the creator of the Midwest Fantasy Expo. Dwayne McFarland, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others, and you can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We at the Roundtable are also excited to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have some of the most advanced stats in football, baseball, basketball, and college football. College football stats are extremely hard to find. For just $15 a year, you can look at all of these. I'm telling you guys, it is well worth it. If you like to dive into the analytical side of sports and or for I use it for prospects, college football prospects specifically, it is amazing. It goes down to the minutest of details in this stuff. And again, it's just $15 a year. If you use our code ROUNDTABLE, you will get 10% off of that, which is a steal of a deal, if I do say so myself, and probably the best deal in the industry. So definitely check them out, especially if you want to get a jump on the upcoming draft class. It'll be well worth your time and money. And since the season is now technically over, for fantasy reasons, at least Week 16 championships were completed on Monday. Mr. Matthew Fox will be joining me today. You can find him at Nighthawk7734. We are going to talk about Black Monday, a well-known day in the business. This coming Monday after Week 17, we usually see seven to eight head coaching changes. I'm about to bring Matt on here, and we are going to discuss which teams we think could be or we think should be changing head coaches as that approaches here on Monday. On average, eight NFL, oh man, I was going to say FFL, my goodness, NFL head coaches lose their job. So let's see if me and Matt can come up with eight or if we come up with more. And as I just mentioned, we've got Mr. Matthew Fox with us. Matt, how was uh, how was your Christmas and how you doing today? Doing pretty good. Christmas Eve uh, worked for about 15 hours from 8.15 in the morning to 11.15 at night. So it was a lot of uh, fatigue rolling into Christmas Day. But got to go to the movies, got to get a little Chinese food, wrapped up with Christmas vacation. And now I'm all set, back at work again. Very nice. What movie did you go see? Took the uh, took my parents and my sister and went and saw Knives Out. I had already Ooh. seen it, so it's my second time. Still really good. And then I took my wife to see Little Women. 
Very nice. I'm glad you said that. I really want to see that. I mean, I'm a huge fan of, of Daniel Craig, and they obviously have a ton of, like, Chris Evans. Uh, I know there's, like, a ton of other famous people in there. I've seen the trailer a couple times. I want to see it, yeah. so it's definitely worth seeing. It, it was really good. Plus, it felt like uh, after a weekend in which uh, Ryan Johnson was getting laid out a little bit for his <laughs> Star Wars movie that yeah. I needed to go support him again. Um, yeah. But Knives Out would probably be I'm, I'm debating about positioning. I will. I every year I release my top 10 TV shows and top 10 movies of the year on the 30th and 31st. Uh-huh. Uh, Knives Out is definitely in my top 10. It's definitely in my top five. I'm debating the All positioning. Right. It may be right up at the top. There's a couple movies uh, that I'm thinking about, and I'm going to try to see a few more that are possible contenders this weekend. Very nice, man. That makes me want to see it even more. It was one of the words, like, it came down to either that or, because with me, obviously, my two kids, we don't really have a lot of uh, people to watch my kids, unfortunately, so me and my wife have to be very selective of when we go out, and it was kind of, for me, it was either that or Rise of Skywalker, and unfortunately, as good as I, I was yeah. hoping Knives Out was going to be, I couldn't pass on Rise of Skywalker, so... I can't wait for that to come out. Uh, I've I've been excited about watching it, and what you saying there makes me uh, even more intrigued in going to see it. But I mentioned in the uh, intro there that we're going to talk about or kind of preview what we think might happen on Black Monday. It, it happens every Monday after week 17. Sometimes you hear news leaking out on Sundays, but for the most part on Monday mornings throughout the day, you get a bunch of head coaches uh, being released from their duties. Uh, we already know of two that have been released, so we'll talk about those when we get to those teams, see if we have many more. Uh, there's an average of seven head coaches a year that get let go, so we'll see if me and you have the same teams we think it'll be. We'll be less, more than seven. We're just going to jump right in and go uh, with we think is the easiest division as we don't think any of the head coaches are going anywhere. We're going to start with the AFC East. Obviously, outside of New England getting on a run and winning a Super Bowl and Bill Belichick, for whatever reason, just deciding, you know what, I think I'm done. There's no way Bill's going anywhere. I, I know I would imagine you agree with that. Bill's, not the Bill's, uh, Bill is safe in New England. We don't have to worry about any change there. Uh, same with, I think, Buffalo. I think Sean McDermott's done a great job here now. Uh, at two out of the past three years, he's made it into the playoffs. I think that he is kind of secured. It was interesting. He was on the hot seat, or at least there was a lot of talk about him being on the hot seat earlier in the season. I think with the way that they have played this year and him getting them into the playoffs and at 10 and 5 now, pro, real, very realistic shot they're going to go 10 and 6 that he is going to stay there. Do you agree with those two? Yeah, and I, I think with Belichick, the only thing would be if he decided to retire and. You know, I think it's been pretty obvious that they have a succession plan in place of Josh McDaniels. Yeah. Um, you know, especially after he accepted the Colts job and then said, oh, nope, never mind, I'm staying. So, I mean, New England's going to be continuity, but I, I would agree. Buffalo, Sean McDermott, you know, we've talked about could be a coach of the year candidate. So yeah. if, if they fired him, I think the fans might riot. Yeah, I mean, I know I would. I'm not even that big of a Buffalo Bills fan, and I think that guy's clearly got that team going in the right direction. Uh, I'm going to skip the Jets for a minute because I, I want to have a, a discussion about them. I, I, we both were kind of talking a little bit beforehand and do think uh, that he is safe there, but I want to have a discussion about him. Miami, same thing. I mean, Brian Flores took a team, uh, speaking of Adam Gase, uh, that Adam Gase seemed to struggle to get to four wins. They sold off all of his best pieces, and he's gotten them to 4-11, and 11, and I think have a shot. I doubt they do it, but I think they do have a shot to beat the Patriots this weekend. They're going up in there with nothing to lose. Uh, and New England kind of has everything to lose. They could easily go from the second seed down to the the third or fourth seed with a loss this weekend. Uh, I'm sorry, just the third seed. The Texans can't jump them. Um, so I think Brian Flores is safe. He's not going to be that. I think Steve Wilkes was kind of an outlier on the one year and out, although we do have a couple one-year head coaches. I think that's a question on the Jets. We were talking, obviously, pre, uh, pre-podcast pre that uh, you, you were saying that you think he's got at least one more year, and I do agree with that. I would not be surprised if he has let go, though. I, I just feel like this team came in with a ton of expectations. He's come out recently and made a lot of very controversial quotes on his job. You know, that's neither here or there with that stuff. But I just don't think this Jets team is nearly as good as everybody thought they were going to be. I would think including that front office. I would not be surprised if Gase is let go due to how much Sam Darnold regressed, whether you want to see that. Say that it's because of the mono where he missed all that time. Or it's just Adam Gase and him not getting along. I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if he's let go. Uh, what are your thoughts on Gase and the and the? Uh, I was going to say the Dolphins and the Jets. 
you know, obviously I was somebody that thought the Jets were going to take a step forward this year, possibly be a playoff contender, much like Cleveland. We've seen them underperform and just not quite get there. I think if in the middle of the season, it did feel like Gase was about to be done. Yeah. They have been better down the stretch. I mean, they are five and three at home, uh, which isn't too bad. They've had some decent signature wins. They're still a frustrating team. I thought Darnold has played a little bit better uh, in recent weeks. I I think he will get to start next year. Now, if they have a similar start next year, he's one I wouldn't be surprised to see be like a midseason firing. Okay. But I think in a lot of cases, too, something to keep in mind is these organizations don't want to get a, you know, like a lot of people are weary of the Washington Redskin post because of the owner and never having any job security. When you start to be a franchise that has a quick trigger on coaches, you start to get a reputation that can impact your ability to recruit people and to recruit high level talent. I know that was one of the reasons, you know, Vance Joseph, who Denver had after his first year, I would have said he definitely needs to be fired. He's never going to get any better. And I think one of the reasons they gave him a second year is they didn't want to be seen as somebody that just, you know, pulls somebody in, is excited about them. They don't have any success and just wipe them out and start all over again. It's hard for these franchises to start all over again. If Gase continues to do some of the same things, there's been a lot more talk lately about major personnel changes in, in New York. And I think that might be the case. You know, there was a lot of talk early up in the preseason that Gase wasn't really happy with the direction the general manager took in assembling the team. And then they fired their general manager just before the season started, but too late for it to really make a difference. That seemed to be an indication to me that they were understanding that you can't bring in a coach and tell them you want to have a vision and then stick them with people that don't maybe fit what they're trying to do. And I think the Jets have had some some good people and had some success and then have had some massive injuries. They've had massive injuries on defense. You know, it seems like every time they find a good offensive player, they've been hurt. They, They didn't have Herndon pretty much all year and he was a guy who we would have said at the end of last year looked like he was peaking could be a bright spot ryan griffin they had something going now he's on ir darnold kind of in and out struggling i think there's enough factors plus a first year coach that they're going to give it one more year or do some other changes in the offseason yeah, I mean, that does – it makes more sense for them to keep them. But as – I mean, we, we both, I feel like, have uh, – you know, I know you've talked about how you don't – you're not saying that Adam Co- Adam Gase is a great head coach, but you have given him some credit where I'm, I'm a little bit more leery on him. I, I don't think his credentials are quite as high as other people speak of them. So maybe that's why I'm more bullish on, on them moving on from him. But I do think it, it makes more sense for them to keep him. As you were just saying, you really don't want to be that team that just brings him in and then you know what he goes because I mean they do have a chance to go seven and nine, uh, and if they go end up going seven and nine, you know oh you know what you're you're gone. And again, a lot of people will will attribute some of Sam Darnold's struggles this year to him having mono, which I do think is somewhat fair to say because he has, as you said, looked good here a little bit more in the second half. On the AFC West side. Uh, I'm going to be honest, I, I don't see any changes. I really don't think no. Andy Reid is gone from Kansas City. Oakland, we know, is probably not moving on for Gruden for, I would say, at least five or six years with the contract he got, if not all ten. Uh, I, I think that Denver's got it right in Vic Fangio. That defense has really kind of turned around, as you know, from the first couple weeks of the season. Uh, they seem to have a, their quarterback in Drew Locke, so I don't think he's going anywhere. The Chargers is the one that is interesting to me, but I think Anthony Lynn is a phenomenal head coach. I think it's more, as I talked about on the Friday podcast, where or maybe it was the Tuesday one when I when I was running solo, uh, that I thought uh, I thought a lot of their struggles this year came. It was Tuesday. I thought a lot of their struggles came because of Philip Rivers, not necessarily anything else on that team, unfortunately. Uh, so I, I think more of the the five and ten record as of now is on Rivers more than Anthony Lynn. Do you think there's any way they let go of Anthony Lynn, or, or you know you think he's pretty safe? No, I kind of agree with you. The only change that would be in Kansas City is if Andy Reid decided to retire. The Raiders, uh, you know, they're still technically alive for the playoffs. They've made pretty great progress. They have a very young team. Denver has made pretty great progress. 
in the second half. And they, uh, they were talking about, they have like the third youngest team in, in terms of starters. So, I mean, I think those are teams. It's kind of like Brian Flores in Miami. Everybody knew going in, they were going to be awful this year. This was not going to be a one year commitment. I think, most Denver fans realized it was going to take more than one year to turn around. The Raiders seem to be trending in the right direction. Chargers are an interesting case. I really loved what Anthony Lynn did last year. I don't think you take a guy that was 12 and four tied to the best record in the AFC who has a down year and cast him aside. I think they're another one of those teams that is going to take a hard look at their personnel in the offseason. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I would, I would. The only way I see Andy Reid retiring is if Kansas City ends up winning a Super Bowl and he finally calls it quits. But I'm with you. I, I don't think there's any way that they move on from him outside of that. He's kind of one of those guys I think that's going to be well past his prime and still have a job before he's finally walking out the door into the AFC North. And and really, I think there's only one team we can talk about possibly making a coaching change. We do know that Baltimore, I would assume, is going to keep John Harbaugh, which is interesting as well because he was another guy who going into the mid of last season was a guy everybody thought was going to get fired with the Joe Flacco playing horribly, everything with Lamar Jackson. And then he turns that completely around. Obviously, they get the number one seed in the AFC now. Pittsburgh, no way they're moving on from Mike Tomlin. Dude, what he has gotten them to do with their four-string quarterback is phenomenal. As, as much as I hate to praise the Steelers at any, in any way possible, Mike Tomlin is a phenomenal head coach. And, and Pittsburgh, much like Cincinnati in their division, are very loyal to their head coaches. So we both don't think Zach Taylor is going anywhere. I mean, if they held on to Marvin Lewis as long as they did, I highly doubt they're letting go of Zach Taylor after one year. The big one's going to be the Browns. Uh, I mean, there's obviously been a lot of talk about Freddie Kitchens being fired. Then there's some saying that Freddie Kitchens should stay. They think Freddie Kitchens is going to, to going to keep his job. There has been obviously a lot of talk from the people that matter in the Haslam's and John Dorsey saying that they're not going to fire Freddie Kitchens. There was a lot of talk over this past weekend and even today uh, when I was listening to some sports radio stuff that there's likely going to be sweeping changes in uh, the coaching ranks there, though, like Freddie Kitchens keeping his job. I actually just saw a report that uh, Freddie Kitchens says that he plans on retaining play calling regardless what happens. So I think the biggest changes you might see is Munkin gone and, and Wilkes. I don't know how much that changes anything with Freddie calling the offense, but how – where do you think Freddie's seat sits right now? Lukewarm, hot, fairly cold. What are your thoughts on Freddie and Cleveland? I think it's pretty hot, but he could end up kind of like the same situation as Adam Gase where he comes back and they see how they start. You know, if Cleveland starts next year the same way they started this year, I would expect him to be a midseason I mean, we already saw them do that with uh, Hugh Jackson. You know, enough yeah. is enough. I would say, you know, it, it's going to – all the things that I said about why you don't want to fire a first-year head coach probably still stand with Cleveland. I would say personally in my observations what bothers me more about the Cleveland situation than maybe the Jets or some of these other teams is it seems like he doesn't have – control or respect of some of the big personalities on his team like you don't see Le'Veon Bell or some of these Jets players coming and and basically saying things that you could perceive as undermining their coach yeah they may think them they may tell their friends that but you don't see quotes that I feel like we get that from some of the big personalities on the Cleveland squad and that gives me a moment of pause. They haven't just underperformed at teams. At times, they look like they've crumbled. Yeah. And that is, you know, he's a first-year head coach. He didn't have a lot of coach experience. He probably deserves a little bit more benefit of the doubt. I under, I would not be surprised to see him stay, and I understand all the arguments you would make about keeping him. I just don't know if those particular issues are things you overcome with time. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, because uh, we've talked about this, I feel like probably, especially with the way the Browns season has gone at least 10 times on the podcast. And I was very adamant at the beginning of the year that regardless of how the year was going, Freddie needed to keep his job, that he 
showed a lot to us last year, and sometimes you just see first-year head coaches come in and struggle. Not everybody can be Sean McVay and show up and turn a franchise into a playoff and Super Bowl contender in a couple years. And I understand that the Browns have all the pieces, but they don't have an offensive line. And and that's kind of been my biggest argument at times for, for the Browns' struggles is everybody keeps talking about, well, they have Landry, and they have Beckham, and they have Chubb, and they have Hunt, and they have Njoku. But when you look back at the stats last year of why Baker was so good, throughout those last seven games where they were winning and winning, not necessarily big, but they were winning the games well in hand. There was not that many close games outside of the Denver game and the Baltimore game at the end of the season. Baker was barely getting pressured and or sacked. And in the two games he struggled, the Denver game and the Baltimore game, they were getting to him. That offensive line was phenomenal. They were one of the best offensive lines in the game last year. Then they trade away Zeitler. They still haven't solved the issue at that left tackle. It's been continuing to build, and I think that has caused Baker to kind of do the as much running out and throwing as he has this year. I don't know if that fixes, though, because the other thing you can say is that the Baker we saw, if you would have seen the Baker that we saw this year, last year, how many people do you think would be saying Baker's a bust right now? Probably everybody. Because yeah. what he, he the only reason Baker's being held in somewhat high regard right now is because of what we saw out of him last year, where he looked like, okay, this makes sense why the Browns took him number one. He looked phenomenal. He has not looked at all like that quarterback this year. So I do think part of that comes down on the coaching because you're supposed to progress your players you're supposed to help them succeed and I feel like Freddie is not doing that this year now may is that on him is that on other people I don't know I'm not in the Browns building but I do think that part is kind of on Freddie in my opinion and then the undisciplinedness of this team is ridiculous that part of it I do think Mm -hmm. is on him the penalties that we saw at the beginning of the year the just ridiculous play calls that they have sometimes and, and it's just the way that the players, I know that players out, have outbursts on the sidelines every, uh, you know, I'm sure every week, but it's the same players every single week, and it's always right at Freddie, or Freddie is right there with them. And I, I kind of complained about this, I believe it was on the podcast with you the other day, that Freddie needs to stop going over there and being buddy-buddy with Odell and buddy-buddy with Landry and sitting there trying to calm them down when they're all pissed off and get over there and be the head coach of the football game. I understand that you don't run the defense and that's Steve Wilk's job, but it's also not your job to be standing over them like, it's okay, Odell, we'll throw you the ball here on the next show. You know, if Odell wants to be pissed off, let Odell be pissed off. Let him sit there on the bench for a little bit. Go talk to him in a break. Go talk to him before the offense comes on field. Don't talk to him as the other team's offense is just walking down the field and scoring on your defense. You need to stay in the game, in my opinion. So I would not be surprised I'm with you if they do fire him. I do see the argument on both sides. I still I do think that they are going to keep him and in all honesty, I am. I, I hate to give the cop out answer. I'm completely torn on that because I am 50 50 on. I think maybe that could work out. Maybe he just needs another year. You know, the one thing I've said too, and I know you've said it before, is none of these guys had a lot of time in the offseason together. Odell wasn't there for a lot of the workout stuff, and then he got hurt, didn't play in any of the preseason. Landry barely played in the preseason. Baker only played in a couple games, and it was only like a drive here and there. They, they haven't had a chance to really work with each other. And I think that's why we've seen Landry take the, uh, the reins as the number one wide receiver this year because he was there all of last year and him and Baker have that chemistry. So maybe that changes next year and they're all able to kind of sit down, work through everything and run Freddie's system. But if they do fire him, I would not be surprised one bit. And well, and I, I think the fear, you know what it reminds me of, which you're not going to like to hear probably, but some guys are great at being a specialist as in a coordinator yeah but the head coach job is a little bit too big for them what it sort of is reminding me of this brown situation is when uh the broncos let go of mike shanahan and brought in josh mcdaniels and right. he had moments in his first year as much as it pains me to admit as a broncos fan who loathes him with every fiber of my being <laughs> He had moments during that first year. I think they started like 4-0 or 5-0 or something with McDaniels before really kind of cratering where you thought, well, maybe, you know, maybe this is going to be better than I thought. Maybe it's going to work. But the the team never felt disciplined or organized. And by the middle of his second year, it was such a waterloo that they, they canned him in the middle of the year. And so I, that's like a fear I think you would have if you were a fan of this team going forward. Yeah. 
Oh, I mean, it is. I have all kinds of fears about the Browns moving forward. Like, I, I don't. I honestly don't know what to think. You know, I was reading before we move on from the Browns really quick. It was funny. I was, I was reading a uh, a quote that Freddie Kitchens made. I think it was back. In, it was either the week one of the preseason or, or during training camp, where they were asking him about staying on as the play caller and with having all these weapons. Are they going to design any special plays? And Freddie Kitchens said, "This is football. We're not sitting here to." Tr- to try and design anything uh, ridiculous or any special plays. It's football. The wheel is not broken. We just need to get the ball to our playmakers, and they'll handle the rest. And yet I feel like every game we're sitting there at a third and one, and Nick Chubb is sitting on the bench, and they decide to do some stupid pitch play to Kareem Hunt and expect him to throw it down the field uh, to to Jarvis Landry or something, or they're going to try a, a – I don't even know what – just ridiculously stupid play callings on 3-1 and one when you've got the leading rusher in the NFL or even if you just want to pitch it to Kareem Hunt and have them both stand back there and have the defense guess who's going to get the ball, but you got one yard to get. Just run the ball one yard. It's not that hard. So I, I, I don't – I just don't understand what he's doing with the offense. Like I said, if they do keep him, hopefully they're able to figure that out. Uh, he is one that, uh, you know, much like uh, – my goodness, who is uh well I, I don't think Gase is gonna get fired. Cle- I guess really Freddie is the first one out of all of the AFC so far that I, I do think there's I think there's a stronger chance he does get fired uh than keeps his job. But I would not be surprised either way from from the arguments we've both given. It makes sense both ways, in my opinion. Uh so on there is a coach that's been linked with them, by the way, in Urban Meyer. I think there's no truth to that whatsoever. I, I no. think it's just a uh, a bunch of just randomness. He he's got a lot of connections to that area, obviously. But there's but no that probably way. Probably would be the only way you would see, probably at this point, realistically, Freddie Kitchens get fired is if they had a huge name person that had agreed to come in to take this team that was kind yeah. of a a coach of some renown. So that's that is the only thing that worries me because Urban Meyer and John Dorsey do have a connection, and so my my fear is. Well, I shouldn't say this because. Here's the one thing I'll give Urban Meyer that I can't give Freddie. Urban Meyer at Ohio State, for everybody knows, I'm a, I'm a big Buckeyes fan. And throughout, there's a lot of talk, obviously, they play Clemson this weekend. And the last time that the Buckeyes played Clemson was, uh, I believe it was four years ago, Urban Meyer was playing, calling the offense. Uh, and they had JT Barrett as their quarterback, and they got beat 31 to nothing. It was, it was a bad game. The offense could not do anything. After that game, Urban Meyer goes out and he hires Ryan Day who, in my opinion, is one of the best coaches now in college football. He has turned that Ohio State offense into a pro-style offense, and I do think that that's the one thing Urban Meyer is not afraid to do. When he gets beat and he realizes, okay, what I'm doing is not working, he brings in somebody else. That's the one thing I cannot say for Freddie, because this offense has not looked right all season long. Not just me saying it as a Browns fan. I think everybody has been saying that. And yet he is not willing to give up play calls to Todd Munkin. He's not willing to bring anybody else in. He's, no, I'm I'm going to fix it. You had 16 weeks and still not fixed. And I would not be surprised if they end up losing to the Bengals this weekend because they can't get this offense figured out. So uh, that is the one thing that I do think if Urban Meyer came in, he would be more worried about being the head coach and not worried about being somebody's friend. He's not going to run the offense, not going to run the defense. He's going to manage the team, let the other coordinators do their job, which I do think is, is in all honesty, the hardest part about football. I don't think that every NFL head coach can also be the lead coordinator on every team. I do think that is like for a select few, you know, Vic Fangio on the defense, Sean McVay on his offense. I mean, Zach Taylor's been okay, but he hasn't been that great running the Cincinnati offense. Trying to think of who else is it? Matt LaFleur, although that's more of like a connection with him and Aaron Rodgers as well. You don't always see every NFL head coach being the end-all be-all on play calling where it is in Cleveland and, and it's not worked either. So I'm interested to see if he does stay on what they do. As we talked about, there's, there was already talks that they might be getting rid of everybody else on the coaching staff, but Freddie Kitchens. So if they do keep them, it'll definitely be a very interesting offseason for what they do on that coaching staff. The AFC South, I do think, is uh, there's one team, and I do think that they're going to let yep. him go. Uh, and uh, But there is the first one. I want to start with the very top team because this is interesting. So I have a question for you. Houston, a lot like Baltimore. And um, who was the other team that we were talking about? The, the Buffalo Bills, a lot like Baltimore and a lot like Buffalo. Last year, there was a lot of talk that they had already fired their GM, that Bill O'Brien might be on the hot seat because while he's continued to, to have the Texans have good records, they were struggling to get into the playoffs and 
every time they get into the playoffs, they get knocked out pretty much in the first round. So, but the Houston Texans are guaranteed to get into the playoffs. They have won their division. They'll be, you know, at worst the fourth seed. What happens if the if the uh, I keep wanting to say the Buffalo Bills? My goodness, if the Houston Texans make it into the playoffs and get knocked out again in the first round, do you think there's any shot Bill O'Brien gets fired or he's safe regardless of what happens? Yeah, I think he's I think he's safe. Texans, Titans, Colts. I I think I would be floored if they made coaching yeah. moves. Yeah, I don't think there's any way Tennessee or Indy does either. I mean, Frank Wright has done miraculous things in Indy, especially with the bombshell of the luck retirement dropped on them a week before yeah. uh, the season. And then Mike Vrabel has kept Tennessee in the playoff discussion pretty much every year he's been there, and he has a shot to make it with Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, exactly, and Marcus Mariota, who's, who's even worse well, than Ryan Tannehill. I think Tannehill. the Colts and the Texans could both make arguments that they've been devastated by some injuries and stuff too. I mean, True. Will Fuller can't stay on the field. Uh, they lost Lamar Miller, their running back before the season even started. J.J. Watt went out pretty early. They lost almost their entire secondary in free agency. Bill O'Brien, he may not be our favorite guy, and he may not have an incredible playoff record, but yeah. you know he manages to find ways to win and to win the games that, for the most part, they should win. And it's going to be an interesting I actually, if I was Houston, might be more excited about being the fourth seed because you're pretty much guaranteed to get Buffalo yeah. at home. Yeah, but I think that's a game they could easily lose, though. They could, but, you know, would you rather be facing Tennessee? I don't know. Ten- Tennessee is that team that's going to squeak into the playoffs that could you could see them go on a run. I mean, they're yeah. tracking right now to play in Kansas City, a place they already won with Patrick Mahomes playing. So, you know, play anything can happen in the playoffs. I, I just there none of those three teams. If they made coaching moves, I think that would be to their detriment because yeah, I, you have to remember there's corollary of starting over, and I think we've seen. Deshaun Watson play well and and Hopkins play well and I think firing their GM would be somewhat of an admission that they have some personnel issues they have consistently never given Watson an offensive line if Bill O'Brien's not getting the players and not drafting the players it's a little hard you know they finally went out and got Tunsil but he's missed a few games but they've been better they've been getting better I think he's done enough that you know that he that it would it's hard to make a case for him needing to be fired right well the one thing that interests me about bill o'brien is so he they've actually already come out i want to say it was 2 weeks ago that they came out and said they're still not going to hire a gm they're going to let bill o'brien do everything so i, I and do and he'll th- be hoisted by his own petard if he doesn't so get it done yeah so that's what i was gonna that was gonna be the interesting part for me is that i would assume that you are right i i can't i just brought it up because again like the other two coaches he was on the hot seat the difference is i don't think he has had quite the same success that john harbaugh did in baltimore from last year to this year and same with sean mcdermott they they both kind of taken a step forward where if you want to say it's the injuries for me it's more of they still have not found a way to protect deshaun watson and that offensive line has been bad for years now so i do think that while bill o'brien is likely not going to get fired i would not be surprised if he's not a year away from getting fired if he doesn't do something to help improve the offensive line of this team because it's clearly their biggest issue and he is now their gm was all of last year uh and is going to be this year as as i said they there was report came out two weeks ago they're not going to hire another one uh so we already said tennessee there's no way they're getting rid of rabel in our opinion same with indy and frank Reich, but jacksonville we already know gone so okay, I I think so too. So I, I wasn't sure where you were on that. Uh, we know they got Once rid of Tom they Coughlin. Fired Tom Coughlin, I think that was basically the sign they they intend to start over, and they really should because yeah. two years removed from being in the AFC title game, this team looks completely lost on offense and defense. Yeah, I mean, I I don't necessarily believe in the uh, the argument that a coach has lost his team, but for me, looking at the way that this team has been playing the past couple weeks and all the issues, I know Jalen Ramsey's issue wasn't necessarily with Marone. It did seem like it was all with Tom Coughlin. I just think that they, they need to make a sweeping changes right here. They, they've got, you know, whether it's stick with Foles, they're going to stick with Minshew. They, they have some decent weapons on the outside. They've got Fournette for at least one more year if they don't trade him. They have decent defense. De- 
de- decent pieces on the defense. They just need to make some sweeping changes here. General manager. No, no, they're keeping their general manager, which is a smart move because actually that dude's drafted really well. Uh, but sweeping changes with the head coach and coaching staff and, and move on to a different one. So for us, that really only leaves one in the AFC so far. And if you want to say maybe with Cleveland on, on, on two, but we've got one change so far in the AFC. Moving into the NFC, where we'll start with the East, and this is the easy one. You, you know Doug Peterson's not going anywhere. The Philadelphia Eagles no. do just play for that dude. They clearly love their head coach. He continues to have, hilariously in my opinion, seems to struggle at the beginning of every single season outside of the one year that they ended up going to the Super Bowl because of Carson Wentz being like an MVP candidate. But they've struggled the past couple seasons in the early season and then right at the end of the season get on these hot streaks and make it into the playoffs. Looks like they're going to do the same again this year. So Peterson's not going anywhere. But I think there's a chance that all three of the next teams fire their head coaches. Uh, well, well, Washington already did, yes, so I'll right. give you that one. Yeah, Washington is gone with Jay Gruden, so that, that makes two technically right now because we're not going to count Cleveland. And I don't Cleveland. think Callahan – I know Callahan has talked about how he'd like to stay. I don't think I have seen anything yeah. from Washington that makes me think he's going to stay. No, I, I'm with you. So I'm going to save the Giants for last uh, just because I want to pair Dallas and Washington. Technically, Jason Garrett's not getting fired. Uh, he does not have a contract. Uh, so I just don't think they're going to pick his contract. They're not going to sign him to a new contract. So Dallas's position will be open. Dallas and Washington are the other two teams that have been linked to Urban Meyer. I do not think he has any shot, or I do not think personally, again, I don't know Urban on a personal level. I, I've, I've watched him from afar being a Buckeyes fan, knowing the way he ran the Buckeyes organization, knowing how he ran Florida. I don't think he would fit well in Dallas, in my opinion, having Jerry Jones there and, and watching over him. And I also don't think, even though he does apparently have a very good relationship with, um, my goodness, why do I want to call him Kyle Shanahan? What? Who is the owner? Dan, Dan, Dan Snyder. Snyder. Okay, I could not remember for life of me, the, uh, the owner. He has a relationship with Dan Snyder, but they, for the most part, I, I just... I don't know if he would fit in well there. I know a lot of people I think are making the connection just because of of all the connections he has there. He coached Alex Smith, obviously coached Dwayne Haskins and Terry McLaurin. I I personally don't see him going there. I honestly don't think he goes into coaching at all. That's just my opinion. Do you think there's any shot he lands with either one of these teams? I think if it's going to be one of the teams, it's going to be Dallas. Okay. Because Dallas has a better roster in Mm -hmm. place. Right. And we already know Jerry Jones is willing to spend. They would be closer to, I mean, I, the, I, I'm in agreement with you. No way Garrett can come back, especially after these last, after Sunday, which was an yeah. abomination. You're facing a, you're facing a bottom five pass defense and you, you can't get your S together to even get a single touchdown. It was an embarrassment. It was, that's the end for him. I mean, there's been a few points in time this season that felt like the end that feels like the end, Um, you know, and I think he's done some nice things, but they need a change in Dallas. I think this roster should be better than it is right now. They have radically underperformed with an incredible set of weapons. Last year, they did so much with, nothing but Ezekiel Elliott for half a season. And this year it's been like the reverse. Gallup has really come on. Randall Cobb has shown to be great. Jason Witten unretired. Jason Witten probably is wondering if it would have been better just to be mocked every week for his Monday night football commentary. than to come back and play for this team. Dak looks like he has regressed in some ways, which is weird. Amari Cooper, not even sure what they're doing. And those guys are in contract years. So, you know, they're trying to play well so i he's lost that team and and to me if you were an urban meyer and you were looking at nfl teams that you could come in and and you know take a team from like seven and nine to 12 and four right away dallas has the roster where they probably should have been 12 and four this year yeah so not hard to make that leap washington does not have simple fix problems and I just don't with that organization, you know, Jerry Jones may be a little, you know, overshadowing and controlling at times, but we've seen good, strong coaches be able to, for at least a couple of years, you know, Jimmy Johnson 
came in and was able to be successful for a couple of years. He ended up leaving because he didn't like the constant pressure. Bill Parcells came in and was successful for a little while, left for the same reason. Switzer had some success, left for that. We've seen guys come in and be successful in a short run, you know, because there's always talent there. They just don't end up liking the situation. We've not seen that same thing in Washington. Washington right. is much more dysfunctional as an organization and, and they are not good at going and getting talent. Jerry Jones might, might be tough to work with, but he's not, he's a good personnel person. They've gone and gotten players. They recognized a deficient deficiency last year and they had no problem dealing a first round pick to get an actual wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, they've done a good job the past couple of years. They've killed it in the draft. They've done phenomenal there. They've yep. built a very good roster. I do agree with you that if he had to choose between those two, Dallas, to me, is the better fit for a different reason. I'm going to bring up another uh, coach that I think could get head coaching looks this year, and that's Greg Roman. I actually think Greg Roman would be a great fit here as well if they re-sign Dak because I think Dak can play in that offense the way Lamar Jackson and Colin Kaepernick did. Now, he's not as fast as them, not as shifty as either one of those guys. But they, but Greg Roman and Urban Meyer both run a very uh, quarterback running style offense that I do think could help the Cowboys with that beefed up offensive line they have. You have Zeke for whenever you want to do the option plays to flip it to him. And then if they keep Amari or they let him go, you still have Michael Gallup who's taken leaps forward this year. They can get another wide receiver in the draft this year. Is there, This class is going to be loaded with good wide receivers. I think both of those uh, coaches and Greg Roman and Urban Meyer run offenses that would help Dak and actually make this team scary good in my opinion. And I don't like admitting that. This is coming from the Dallas Cowboys hater of this podcast. But I do think that if they were to get either one of those guys, it would be great things for the Cowboys because both those guys could run an offense. I think that it suits well to Dak and what he did in college and what he can do in the NFL. On uh, the Giants, that that's going to be the interesting one. So we've heard, at least I have, I, I, obviously I, you know and I know you listen to a lot of NFL radio throughout the day and in the mornings or afternoons on your drives to and from work. And there's been a lot of talks here the past couple weeks that Pat Shermer might not be as safe as many people think. I actually do think he's going to get fired. Um, I, I yeah, wasn't. I think 100. percent He's okay. Fine. Cool. I wasn't sure because my, my fear was with them bringing in They've Daniel Jones. Yeah, that they might let him have another year. But I just and nothing against Pat. But Shermer. he hasn't done much with Daniel Jones. Daniel right. Jones, I think, has played better than we expected. That offense is dysfunctional. Saquon Barkley looked like he's never played professional football before a couple of times, and we know it's not because of him. We saw yeah. him last year. There's something that's not functional there. There's something that's not functional on defense. They cut a defensive back, and he said it was the best day of his life. Yeah. That is a that is an organizational problem. Pat Shermer had a great time running Washington's offense or the Vikings' offense for a couple of years. He has been terrible and looked out of his depth in New York. He's had a couple of years. He's they've shown really no improvements. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. Is that it just doesn't seem like they've done anything with it. And I like Pat Shermer. I think he's a really good yeah. offensive coordinator. I, I just think that that's unfortunately what he – like you talked about earlier, some coaches are just – they're better at being coordinators than they are head coaches. I kind of think that's where Pat Shermer falls. So I'm with you there. So outside of the Eagles, it looks like a sweeping change is coming for the NFC yeah. East. Uh, Which would make sense. It's been such a it's been such a horrific division. Oh yeah. And in a couple of those cases, the Giants, I didn't think they'd be a playoff team, but they should have easily been in the six to six and ten, seven and nine range with their their talent, or at least been been competitive in some of these games. Washington, you know, they were due for a crumble. Dallas should be much better than they are. You know, these these teams have appeared to radically underperform against their rosters. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we are, we are in agreement there and I'd imagine we're going to be in agreement uh, in the West. I don't see any changes coming. I mean, no. I, I can't see Shanahan getting Shanahan and Carroll with what they're doing with their teams. There's no way either one no. of them's going uh, Cliff Kingsbury, regardless of if you think he is a good head coach or not, he he's done a decent job with what we've seen in Arizona and Kyler Murray this year. And they've been competitive. Exactly. Yeah, in almost every single game. I actually don't think they've been blown out in a game. So yeah. 
that they've done a good job there. I think he at least gets two, if not three years there. And, and we know you're not moving on from McVay. It's one bad year. He had him in the Super Bowl last year. They, they, we, they've got some issues with the roster. So and we, we talked about this obviously a, a couple podcasts ago on where that I think their roster could be headed toward a, the last team in this division, and they're not getting rid of McVay. And I honestly think it's the same thing for the North. There's no way they're getting yeah. rid of LaFour. Yeah. There's one team. Actually, I take that back now that I'm looking at. There's two teams I have questions on. So the two ones that we'll get out of the way because I don't think there's any questions on. They're obviously not getting rid of LaFleur in Green Bay. He's had a great year, first-year head coach there. Uh, and we already know that the Lions have come out and said that Matt Patricia is not going anywhere. He's at least getting one more year. Uh, we talked I mean, about they're it. They're going to do some changes to the yeah. staff and the organization and give him a chance. They, you know, there's another team that's been kind of decimated by injuries and I think has been better than their record. Agree. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. We actually talked about this a couple episodes ago that Detroit earlier in the year was like, looked like one of the teams that was going to be a surprise team. Had a bunch of injuries, got screwed on a couple play calls by the refs that cost him games as well. Stafford going down. Then you're relying on your third string quarterback, quarterback at that point. You know, not many teams can survive that. The Pittsburgh Steelers are like the, the exception to that rule, uh, this year. So, uh, the Detroit, I'm with you. Minnesota and Chicago are interesting to me. So I'm going to start with Chicago first because I don't think there's really any shot Matt Nagy does get fired. What I will say, and I'm, I'm interested to see if you agree with me on this, I do think that his seat is extremely hot moving into the offseason. And if they do not see any more progression from Mitch Trubisky or this offense next year, I do think he has a shot to be fired at the end of next season. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. There's no shot right now, but... You know, Chicago is one of the teams that you feel like have underperformed against their roster, at least based on what we saw last year and based on – I mean, you've seen flashes of good offense. They seem to figure it out a little bit more in the back half. Um, But, you know, have to kind of see where he ends up next year. Um, Next year could be a different story, but at this point, no. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I don't. There's no way that it happens this year, in my opinion. But I would not be surprised if this team struggles and and even has a season close to what it's having this year as well. That he may not be fired at the end of next season. Minnesota is the interesting one for me because okay, I know they've had a couple good seasons here, but Mike Zimmer has been here for a couple years now, and they have not been able to get over the hump. They have a ton of talent on this roster. I am wondering if Minnesota, they've already secured their spot. They're in the playoffs, regardless. If they get blown out or possibly lose in the first round of the playoffs, if he is not fired and they bring in a more offensive-minded head coach, because the one thing about Zimmer that does seem to not really fit in this era outside of, of like a couple other teams is to play defense and run the ball a lot. They're not as... He is not as focused on throwing the ball as we heard him say all offseason. Now, they have still thrown it a little bit here and there. It definitely increased when the wide receivers complained about it. But Mike Zimmer's forte is supposed to be that defense. And that defense has been pretty much god-awful the whole second half of the season. So, any thoughts on Mike Zimmer and his job security in Minnesota? I I just don't see it. I They, they brought in Kubiak to run the offense with the idea that he was going to fix things. And I still think a crux of their problem is Kirk Cousins is not a good quarterback. He crumbles in every important game. He has never won a Monday night football game. He never wins games of consequence. The, it was the front office that decided to invest billions of dollars in him. Mike Zimmer went to the NFC Championship with Case Keenum. He didn't ask them to go get somebody who costs a lot of money, looks good when it doesn't matter, and chokes when it does. <laughs> I mean, okay. he didn't. He barely got 100 yards on Monday night against the yeah, Packers. That's true. I, I'm sorry. I, I still don't think that's all on Kirk. I mean, that he was – he was. He has done the same thing everywhere he's been his entire career. They've gotten him different weapons. They've gotten him different coordinators. He can't blame his coaches anymore. He is a coach killer. I mean, I don't think it's his coaches. I just think it's this team. Like the, I have no de- my defense and well, I'm going to defend him just because I want to. My defense against him in Washington is he didn't have that much star power around him. He had a great offensive line. Don't get me wrong. 
but they didn't have that good of a running back, and he had horrible wide receivers. Then when he comes over to Minnesota, yes, he's got great wide receivers and a very talented running back. His offensive line is horrible. We might be able to go out there, you and me, and do a better job blocking than some of his offensive linemen have done. Like, I... I get what you're saying, and he has been. I don't know if you want to say it is because he crumbles in, in in the lights like some people do, but I go back and look at a lot of the games, and for instance, I'll use that Green Bay game. How many times when he snapped the ball was Darius Smith just standing already in his face and saying, hey, buddy, what's up, and just putting him in the dirt within seconds? That you cannot put that, in my opinion, all on Kirk Cousins. If you're letting Zadarius Smith get into the backfield on not even a bull rush, power move, spin, nothing, he just goes and he's already in the backfield sacking your quarterback, that's on your offensive line. There's only so much your team can do. That's just my opinion. I'm not saying that Kirk Cousins is great. I have never said that Kirk Cousins is great. I do think that he is in the middle tier of quarterbacks, and I do think he is suffering from a bad offensive line on the Minnesota Vikings. He might be a top 30 quarterback in the NFL, but that's as far as I'm willing to go. I mean, I think he's like top 16. So let's just call it in the middle and say 20. Deal? QB 20? 21? Uh, QB 41? He got it. Oh, there's not even 41 quarterbacks in the league. Come on now. Poor old Yes, there are. Every team has at least two. <laughs> that would be 64. Ah, he's better than backups. Let's let's be honest here. I mean, who's the? I don't even know who the Browns backup is, but Kirk's better than them. All right, let's Stanton move on. is the Browns backup. Is he still? Or like, no, he was hurt. I don't know if it's still him or not. It might be. I don't know. I, you won't ever see him. So <laughs> let's hope we him. don't find out this week. Yeah, now, that would I mean, be bad. I, I guess I get a little bit of what you're saying, but they they tried. So I, I would give you that the Minnesota offensive line was really bad last year. They spent all their picks to address that, and they've been able to really run the ball successfully and do other things. This year, you know, they brought in a whole new offensive guru to try to take care of that side of the ball. Mike Zimmer's been proactive trying to address some of those things. Defensively, I know you're saying they're, they've been terrible. They've let in 282 points. That would put them actually probably in one of the top tiers. San Francisco's let in 289 points this year. Okay. So I don't think their defense has been – as bad as we think some of their premier players that they're playing look like they have maybe hit that age wall and they need to address some of that. But I I think Zimmer and Minnesota have been proactive the last few years trying to do things. I don't think Kirk Cousins was worth the money he paid. I actually, when they were talking about him potentially going to Denver, that was my nightmare (laughs) is that we were going to spend this amount of money for somebody who's that limited. And I was thrilled and relieved he went to minnesota and i think you're getting what you're getting i fully expect them to get blown out in the playoffs they're going to end up probably having to go to new orleans New Orleans, yeah yeah it's not i mean you're going to go to new orleans or you're going to go possibly back to green bay uh, there are no real easy roads for that six seed uh you know if they were going to dallas sure they're in good shape but uh, you know, I think that, or Dallas or Philly, they might have a chance. Although Philly, Philly feels like it's coming on. Yeah, they might, <laughs> they might be one of those playoff bracket wreckers again. <laughs> I but, wouldn't be surprised. You know, I I still don't think that's on Zimmer. The real unfortunate thing is Minnesota felt like when they signed that deal, they basically had a three-year win window to win a title coming off being in the NFC championship. And I was willing prior to when they, you know, prior to Cousins starting for Minnesota to wonder if he, if some of those things were about the Redskins, because we've seen the Redskins destroy plenty of promising careers. I mean, Kyle Shanahan looked like inept as a coach when he was with the Redskins. And it turns out it's just the Redskins, Yeah, you know, but (laughs) Cousins, a lot of, the things you would have said, well, he doesn't have a great supporting cast. You couldn't ask for a much better receiver situation than when he got in Minnesota. Oh, he's not had the right coach. You went and got a coach who took a team that was run primarily by Brock Osweiler for half a season to a Super Bowl victory in Gary Kubiak, a guy who has taken plenty of quarterbacks and teams, you know, to the Super Bowl, who knows what he's doing to help run. And they've gotten the running game fixed. You know, he doesn't have much of a running game. Dalvin Cook's been 
pretty awesome. And yeah. when he's been out, we've seen other guys do well. It just a lot of the excuses we've tried to traditionally make as an apologist. Kirk Cousins is a guy that puts up fantastic stats when it doesn't matter. And we've had a few of those guys. And yeah. I just I don't think he's good. I don't think he's clutch. I mean, he may not be clutch. My my whole point is we'll find out when he gets into the playoffs because I, I don't – I just – like I said, there's some of those games that you just can't put it on him. Like I want to say it was the Seattle game earlier this year. Like that loss was not on him. That that was on his defense, and I can't remember who was the one that fumbled the ball. But that Green Bay game – I'm not saying every game is not on him. There are some of them where he's clearly lost in the game. There was one with uh, – Washington the year before he came over here I think they had a chance to get into the playoffs it was against Dallas if I'm remembering correctly he played god awful it was horrible and that was definitely on him but like for instance that Green Bay game I don't think you can put on him there's only so much you can do when you only have a second to two seconds to throw the ball um regardless do we Andy Dalton is somebody that nobody takes seriously as a great quarterback who went to the playoffs each of the first seven years of his career yeah, but he, he couldn't win clutch games. He couldn't win primetime games. He has probably a better career record than Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins has never in his career won on Monday Night Football. That should be alarming at this point. Eh, well, okay, but we see that's we've already we've had this discussion, and that's kind of my thing is wins are not a QB stat in my opinion. It's a team stat, so I can't put that on Kirk Cousins because. I, I mean, you just you don't win or lose games on your own, in my opinion. You you've got a, a full team out there. It's not all just on one person. That's just my opinion. I know some people disagree with that. Some people say a win is a QB stat. I'm trying to remember who it was. Uh, like Ben Roethlisberger earlier this year uh, in the game that he got hurt, he played one series, and Mason Rudolph came in and they won the game, and Ben Roethlisberger got the win. How, how does that make any sense? He was out there for one series, didn't even score. Like for me. Wins are just not a QB stat. It's a team stat. And while, yes, Kirk Cousins controls part of that, he's not the end-all, be-all for every game. So I understand that his Monday night re- his Monday night football record, Sunday night, Thursday night, however you want to put it. I know he did technically win one Sunday night football game this year against the Cowboys. So he, he has one win now, so he's got that monkey off his back in that. But he's not won a Monday night football game. I just don't think that's all on Kirk Cousins, and that's just my opinion. All right, let's see here. Before we get sidetracked too much more on the Kirk Cousins debate, NFC South, a couple interesting ones here. We obviously already know Carolina moved on from Ron Rivera. I I imagine that we uh, are both in uh, uh, agreement here that Sean Payton's not going anywhere unless he retires. He's not not getting removed. Uh, I don't think Bruce Arians is going anywhere from Tampa Bay. So the interesting one is Atlanta, Dan Quinn. You've had Arthur Blank come out and said that he's kind of gave him the vote of confidence earlier in the year and said we're going to see how the rest of the season plays out before we make our decision. Definitely seems like Atlanta is playing hard for him and trying to win games here in the end of the season to help him keep his job. Was it enough to keep Dan Quinn in Atlanta? I think so. Um, They've shown pretty good improvement. There's another team that has had quite a few injuries. They really tried in the off season to improve their offensive line. And that seems like where every injury has been. That's why, you know, when we were talking about Cincinnati, I actually think Zach Taylor has done a decent job with the Bengals offense, considering that they started, you know, before the season even started, they lost half their offensive linemen and stuff. If you can't block, you can't do anything. I think they've found ways around it. Their defense has gotten a little bit better in the second half since he started kind of taking over. I would expect some personnel changes, and he's somebody that if they underperform next year, he's for sure gone. I mean, I think there's a few – see, I think that might be a little bit of the differing between you and I about how we feel about these coaches. I think there's a set of coaches that will get into next year with the understanding that you've you've burned your eighth life, Uh and now you're on your ninth life. You know, he would be one I would put into that group. All right. I mean, I hope he does get his job back. He, he's uh, I would put him right there with Freddie Kitchens on the Browns. Like, I, I see the argument both ways. I wouldn't be surprised if he got fired, but I wouldn't be surprised if he kept his job either. I think him, him and Freddie, and, and for me, Adam Gase, I know you think Gase is a little bit more safer than I do. Those are the three that I think have the most interest in watching come Monday. If any three of those, all three, two or three, none of the three uh, end up losing their job. So that is our preview for what we think might happen on Black Monday. Uh, we will obviously be be back next week and talk about any of the positions uh, that 
uh, or any of the coaches that unfortunately lose their jobs. I mean, none of us are advocating for someone to lose their job, but if it does happen or whoever loses their job, we will we will jump on here and discuss it. Chances are we won't know any of any replacements at the time. Just kind of give our ideas of where we think the franchise could go from there. Matt, thank you for taking the time to jump on with me today. Have yourself a good weekend, and I look forward to talking to you next week. Yes, and let's let's all hope. Think good thoughts for Baby Yoda. We're gonna we're gonna know here in oh, a few yeah. hours. Well, you'll know in a few hours. I won't be able to watch it till late afternoon Friday. But yes, <laughs> I am looking forward to that as well. I forgot all about that, unfortunately. So yes, let's all have safe and, and happy thoughts for Baby Yoda. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the room wide ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Only tackle them before you're Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? <laughs> <laughs>